Welcome to Funding Quest, where our quest is to help you find the best funding solutions for your business. I'm your host, Byron Allen, and today we're joined by Anthony Turdeau, the Chief Loan Underwriter of American Life Financial. Join us now as Anthony gives us a rundown of how a good underwriter can be the key to getting your loan request approved. Well, today we have Anthony Turdeau with American Life Financial. He's American Life Financial's chief underwriter, and he's got uh, a wealth of experience and knowledge regarding uh, underwriting commercial real estate loans. And he has offered to spend some time with us today to answer questions on how does an underwriter really help the borrower and how can a borrower best maximize the value available by having your loan underwritten by a, a competent loan underwriter? So, Anthony, let's start with the question, what is a loan underwriter? All right. So a loan underwriter is the person that gathers all the information provided either by the borrower or the broker and determines if a, if a loan uh, is doable or not. Uh, so basically, an, an, an underwriter will look at the different aspects of the loan and see if they meet the certain criteria or parameters set by the financial institution or the bank or life insurance company in my case. Uh, and if they meet the criteria and parameters, we, we give it an approval. And if they don't, we deny it. And we send a letter to the borrower saying why it was not approved. Right, so that's basically what our loan underwriter is. Uh, it differs depending on the type of uh, industry that they're underwriting for. If it's a commercial, uh, a conventional loan underwriter, it's a little bit different than for private money. Um, and even inside private money, the underwriter could have different roles. For example, in the commercial, uh, conventional mortgage underwriting, there more of a fact checker making sure that everything meets the criteria and parameters that the bank sets or the financial institution sets. And if they meet those criteria, the loan get approved. If they don't, the loan gets disapproved or they may require some additional information or something to mitigate uh, whatever is wrong with that loan. In uh, the private money sector, uh, there's two different kinds. One are the private money that uh, they issue the private placement memorandums and sometimes in those private placement memorandums they have what the loan should look like. So the underwriter has to make sure that the loan qualifies based on those parameters set by the private placement memorandum. Uh, in our case, because we use our, our own money, we do have lending criteria and parameters but we're more flexible because we make our own rules, we can break some of them if we want to, right? Uh, so in, in, in our case, the underwriter takes on a role not only as a fact checker, make sure that everything meets the criteria, but also as a risk manager. They, they look at the overall risk of the loan and see if it makes sense or not in order to approve or disapprove a loan. Excellent. Wow, that's, that's a very thorough answer and, and <laughs> detailed. Thank you, Anthony. What would you say makes a good underwriter? For those people perhaps that are interested in, in becoming a loan underwriter or helping them maybe identify, do they have a good loan underwriter that's, that's underwriting their loan? 
What are your thoughts as far as what makes a good loan underwriter? Well, in addition to experience, because the more experience an underwriter has, the better qualified they're, they're going to be to underwrite your loan. But in addition to experience, I think the best qualification for an underwriter is those that are willing to look beyond that box, beyond that criteria, beyond that, those parameters set by the bank or the financial institution they're working for, and see if there's something wrong, how can they mitigate that? How can they overcome that? Uh, is there a, is there a, something else that they can do in order to not meet that parameter, but at least compensate for it and still make be able to make the loan? So those are the good loan underwriters, the people that don't just say, "Well, it doesn't meet this, so I'm just going to deny it." Right? Is it doesn't meet this? What else can I do to help the borrower get this loan done? Excellent. I love that. That's a great point, and and really that that's a lot that's really going above and beyond, I think, what maybe most definitions of an underwriter would be, is to try to figure out if you need to find compensating factors for a loan that uh, can offset or mitigate some otherwise uh, red flags, that, uh, that's a great point. So that brings to mind or the, the question of how do loan underwriters do that? How do they uh, manage the risk of a loan? How do you weigh, well, it has this problems, but it has these benefits, and, and therefore it's still a, a, <laughs> uh, it's still a good enough loan to make. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's three ways to deal with risk uh, for me. There is, you can either compensate for higher risk, you can mitigate the risk or you can dilute that risk. And let me give you some examples. Uh, for example, let's say a, a, a borrower is buying a property that has really high vacancies, very low debt service ratio. So most of the banks are going to say, hey, no, we're not doing this loan. Okay, how do we mitigate that? Maybe the borrower has other income sources that we can say, well, meanwhile, they can use the other income sources to compensate until they they get this property back online and, and bring it up to uh, a debt service ratio that, that works. Um, so that's a way to mitigate it. Uh, another way that we can do is to dilute the risk, and that's by adding additional collateral the borrower may have. Maybe the borrower owns two or three properties that are free and clear, or they have enough equity in them where we can do a cross-collateral and, and dilute that risk that that property has. A third way is to compensate for it. The lender may say, well, I'm, I'm willing to take the risk uh, that this loan is going to go bad, but for that I need to have a little higher interest rate. So that's a, that's a way to, to get compensated for the additional risk. So those are the three ways that I see, and maybe a combination of those three, maybe just one of those that we need to, to make the loan happen. Excellent. Great, those are good examples, thank you. So tell us about the tools available to underwriters to be able to figure out what a property's worth and, and what, uh, what these risks are and, and such. What, tell us about that. Well, most of the tools that we use are standard tools. Uh, they're out there for everybody and you use CoStar comps or, or LoopNet or MLS uh, if you're uh, assigned to MLS inside your, your state. 
you can pull information from there. You can pull information from the county assessors, um, appraisal districts in, in Texas, and uh, information that the borrower can give you, and also third-party information. We we get appraisals, uh, we get environmental reports, and things like that. And all of those are tools that we use to evaluate a property's risk. And then as far as evaluating the borrower risk, what tools do you use for that? Uh, we'll, we pull credit reports and do background checks. And we also ask for information from the borrower, like tax returns and things like that. So that, that, that's what we use for evaluating the borrower. Excellent. Speaking of the borrower, so what are some ways that an underwriter can really help out a borrower? Not, you know, to, so the borrower isn't viewing the underwriter as, hey, this is the, <laughs> the, the, the bad guy, the IRS agent, quote unquote, <laughs> right, that, that uh, you want to avoid. But instead, this underwriter is, is there to help the borrower make this loan happen, right? Yeah, and that's where we come back to the question of what is a good underwriter. And a good underwriter is the one that's going to help the borrower, not the one that's just looking out for the, the bank or the financial institution they work for, but also wants to help the borrower and, and uh, get them approved. So the things that I would, uh, the way that w we can help the borrower is say, look, if you know you have any problems, just tell me up front what those problems are. And I'll see which way we can do to mitigate or, or, or do something about those problems so we can get your loan done, right? Sometimes the borrowers will hide information or not tell you this or give you the information at last minute or something like that. And the underwriter is gonna find out at the end what's, what's, what's wrong with the loan. If you tell the, the, the underwriter up front, there's a better chance of you getting your loan done because the underwriter will know what to do to mitigate those circumstances. And, and I love when brokers come in and say, look, I got a deal that has these hairs in it, these problems, you know, can you do something about it? I love those deals. Guys says, okay, now I know what to work with, right? <laughs> uh, other deals, you find out at the last minute that there's a problem with it, and then you're trying to help out, and, and maybe that's too late, you know? So I would say for the borrower, uh, give me all the information up front, and if you have, if you know of any problems, tell me up front. Excellent. And if the borrower is a business owner, is there anything specifically with regard to business borrowers that would be particularly helpful to understand? Or well, for business borrowers, uh, basically their ability to make payment is what we look for. So tax returns, profit and loss. Sometimes they, they say, well, we've been performing pretty bad for the last two years, but we're going to be performing good. The next will explain why that's going to happen, right? Uh, I want to be able to understand. Okay. And sometimes, you mentioned before, like they may need to do TIs, which tenant improvements to the property to get up occupancy if, if it's a multi-tenant uh, rental type property, right? So so there are situations when we know that the situation they're in now doesn't necessarily, isn't going to be the future, right? So what are some situations that you've seen that where uh, you've had to underwrite kind of the story, right? The uh, and, and using the term the story, right? The explanation of 
what's happened in the past and how is that different than the future, right? So, so and, and can, you, can you rely on that, <laughs> the expectation that things are going to be better? Well, in, in terms of vacancy and things like that, uh, we can look at what the market has been doing, right? And if, if the market shows that the, the market vacancy is 10%, 5%, whatever that is, in this building, it's currently 50%, you can understand that there's a high possibility that you'll get those, those tenants in and you'll match what the, the actual market is doing. If the property is in a good location and, and you see that, well, the only reason why that's happening is because there is no tenant improvements, the property looks ugly or whatever, and those things can be fixed and the borrower is willing or has the money to do that and has an exit strategy for that, then there's a reasonableness behind it. So then you, you're willing to do that loan because the market and everything else uh, determines that that property should be able to to get tenants in there. Okay. And for owner-occupied properties where they're running their business out of it, are there situations where you can underwrite past performance differently than expected future performance? That, that's a little bit more difficult, but it is possible. Understanding what happened. Uh, there's some, been some cases where there have been sickness in the family. The, the president of the company was sick, had a heart attack or something like that. It's over with and, you know, they have contracts for the future and you can see them. Uh, and that's why they're doing a loan. They need some cash out to, to be able to fulfill these future contracts. Then you're, you're looking at something in the future that has happened in the past before, but not in the immediate past because of, of, of what happened. So yes, you can look in the future. It's more difficult for, for businesses itself, but it is possible. Excellent, and uh, can you think of some red flags perhaps or warning signs that kind of, hey, these are probably deal killers or there, there needs to be some very serious uh, compensating or mitigating uh, <laughs> Positives. Yeah, um, for example, uh, a turnaround in price of uh, uh, value of a property. They somebody just bought a property for a million dollars, and they say, "Well, now it's worth two million, uh, and they just bought it three months ago." And you say, "Okay, what made it worth a million dollars more? The market did not increase a hundred percent in in just three months, right?" Uh, so those are things that are that are red flags, and there could be a will. Uh, a good explanation for that. Uh, there's been some cases where a person bought a property that was 100% vacant. Uh, it was it had a lot of deferred maintenance. Bought it for a million dollars, put a half a million dollars in it, and now it's worth two million because it's fully occupied and it's a different, a different uh, beast than what it was when they bought it. Right. So there could be an explanation for that, but it's a red flag immediately when when a property value increases so much in a short, short period of time. Uh, that's one scenario. Uh, another red flag is when you get an appraisal uh, and they say, hey, I want you to lend based on this appraisal and they provide you an appraisal and you look at it and hey, it has comps from all over the, the nation or whatever and it just doesn't make sense. And unfortunately, there's, there's some appraisals out there that are made 
for different purposes. They're made for um, trust purposes or uh, because there's a death, they need to know how to split. Uh, and those appraisals are not done for loans, so the value of the property may be different than, than a market value. And they try to you to lend based on that appraised value, and it's, that's a red flag. Mm. Let's see, I'm sure there are some other additional, uh, like really big challenges when it comes to you, um, like, like some debt on arrival situations, or, or things that maybe just from a business owner's perspective, it'd be helpful to understand what are like the, the no-go situations that I know I'm gonna have to get this taken care of before I'm gonna get a loan, and maybe differentiating between uh, a, a bank loan or an SBA loan versus perhaps a hard money loan or a not so hard money loan. Well, I can give you some examples of when we were able to do loans that I think the banks would not would not do them. Um, for example, the most recent one that we're actually closing uh, today is a loan scenario where the borrower bought the property from the railroad and in the deed it disclosed there that the railroad was not responsible for any environmental concerns. The borrower didn't know what that meant. He bought the property, built a warehouse on it, and he came to us for a loan. And as soon as we saw that, we said, okay, we need a phase one environmental report on this. And we did a phase one, and it came out that it needed a phase two. Well, half of the banks would have already said no to this, right? They would say, okay, well, go get a phase two, get it cleaned up, and, and let us know. And we'll look at your loan scenario later, right? We actually ordered our phase two, and the phase two came in showing that there were some com contaminants in, in the ground. I think that's the point where he lost the other half of the banks, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe some hard money lenders would say no to that too. Uh, but we stuck with it. We went to the Department of Environmental Quality and asked them, okay, what, what do we need? What's our next step? What do we need to do? How do we remediate this? and the Department of Environmental Quality asked for additional tests to be done in a certain way, um, and we did those. And then the Department of Environmental Quality issued a letter saying there's nothing else to be done. There's no remediation needed. The only thing is you can't never build a residential property there. Well, it's a warehouse, right? And it's only, it's right next to the railroad. Who's gonna build a home there anyway? So we were able to overcome this and we were able to close the loan for them. And I, I would believe that most uh, lenders would have said, no, this is taking too long. It took us actually like four months to close this loan, wow. right? So w we stuck to it. We, there, there's no reason why not to. It's, uh, we, we thought that the property was good property. The borrower is a good borrower. Um, there's no reason why not to help them, right? Mm -hmm. That's one situation. There was another situation where we were lending to a nonprofit organization up in Nevada, and the nonprofit went through changes of uh, directors and, and things like that throughout the years, and their note was coming due, and the current presidency of the nonprofit didn't know much of how to get that loan approved. So, uh, we looked at their bylaws and we found out that 
the members, all the members of the nonprofit needed to vote in order to get a loan. And we helped them create a letter, went out to all the, the members uh, of the nonprofit and created a, a, a big gathering get together type party. And uh, they were able to have the vote and 80% of the people showed up and they were able to vote and we were able to get the loan done for them. So that's, that's a complication that most lenders would not want to deal with, right? But we're, we're happy to help them out because once, once we help them in these situations, then the next time is gonna be a lot easier for them to get bank financing, to get a conventional loan because those issues were resolved. Excellent. All right. Well, is there anything else that you can think of as a chief loan underwriter that our audience may benefit from understanding about loan underwriting? Well, the first thing I, I think that borrowers and brokers need to understand is the loan underwriter is there to help them. It's not there to criticize or to deny their loan, but to help them actually get a loan, right? Uh, at least the good underwriters. <laughs> do that. Uh, so give us give us the information up front, give us what the problem is up front, and we will try to find out a way to solve it. If we can't do the loan right now, we will be able to give you some feedback on what needs to be done in order to get the loan done in the future. Uh, and if there's problems with it that we are able to solve, uh, they will be better off for solving it in the future whenever they want to get a conventional loan because whatever problem they had was resolved and now they can get a, a conventional loan much easier. Excellent, wonderful. Well, thank you, Anthony. We really appreciate having you with us thank and you. sharing your experience and expertise. And thank you very much. Thank you. Anthony Turdeau gave us lots of things to look for in a good underwriter. My key takeaway is that there is almost always a way for you to get a loan even if it may take a bit of work. A good underwriter is willing to look into the details of a loan application to give it every possible opportunity for success. Find someone who will go above and beyond to help you secure the loan you need. And in order to ensure that you can get the best funding, be sure to give them the information they need. Your partners in funding, so find a partner you can trust. Thank you for joining us on our funding quest. We will see you next time.